What is going on, Solo fam? My name is John Solo, and if you're still looking for the perfect present to give to your true love this Christmas, I've got the shopping list you need right here. The only catch is your budget has to be around $41,205.58. Hey, it may sound like a lot right now, but the look on her face when you give her not one, not two, but 23 of her very own birds, it's gonna be so worth it. At least that's what the guy who wrote the 12 Days of Christmas song must have thought, right? Why else would he have made half the gifts birds? Okay, in his defense, his lady may have had a thing for birds, or maybe she was a certified ornithologist. I have no idea. All I do know is that when I hinted at my wife that it would be kind of cool to raise three French hens, she wasn't down for it, which was a bummer because I didn't keep the receipt. We're not here to talk about what I had for dinner last night though. I've always found the 12 Days of Christmas to be one of the weirder songs we sing at this time of year. It's long, repetitive, no one in their right mind would actually want the gifts being listed, and there's only one day of Christmas, so what the hell's that about? Well, after looking into it some more, I learned three things. One, I'm an uncultured swine, though you'd think I'd be well aware of that by now. Two, knowing where the song came from and how to sing it properly makes it a lot less obnoxious. And three, there are several cultures around the world that have their own version of this crazy Christmas list. Chapter one, what are the 12 days of Christmas? Before we get into where the 12 Days of Christmas song came from, we should probably establish what the 12 Days of Christmas actually are, because before doing the research for this episode, I had no idea. I always have just assumed it meant the 11 days leading up to Christmas and then Christmas Day, but I never knew for sure, and I didn't care enough to look into it. Well, it turns out I'm super freaking wrong. The 12 days are the time period between two major Catholic feasts, one celebrating the birth of Jesus on December 25th, and the other in honor of the 12 day journey the three wise men took to Bethlehem. Bethlehem after they recognized him as the son of God. Don't worry, I did the math. I know that's actually 13 days, but most people stop their counting on the 5th of January because the 13th day is the start of the next celebration, Epiphany. This span of time was labeled as sacred in 567 AD by the Council of Tours, a group of holy men in the medieval Roman Catholic Church in Tours, France. And at this time, the holiday was celebrated by fasting for those 12 days leading up to the feast because that's God's way of having fun apparently. Wait, I'm sorry, that's wrong for me to say. Back then, the church considered any form of fun to be pagan witchcraft. This was all about showing you could survive on nothing but God's love. It wasn't until the reign of King Hakon I of Norway that those 12 days became fun for those celebrating them. See, Hakon was a Christian and knew that it wasn't going to be easy to convert the mostly pagan Norway, and attempting to force the transition would make it impossible. So he employed a clever strategy. Instead of making pagan worship illegal right out of the gate, he moved their celebration of Yule, or Yole. According to Snorri Sturluson, it originally took place for three days in the middle of winter, but now it coincided with the Christian holiday of Christmas, and the king ordered that everyone in the country must drink ale and feast during this time, or pay a fine. The pagans weren't very happy about this, but they appreciated Hakon for allowing them to continue worshiping in the ways of their ancestors. It's actually said that he became so popular with pagans throughout his reign that many started converting to Christianity willingly, but they still carried over certain traditions from their old faith. To many, it didn't matter if they were celebrating the birth of Christ or Odin's wild hunt, as long as they could get together with their family and friends every winter to exchange gifts and drink and eat to excess, they were complacent. Some other Yule time traditions that have been carried over are the Yule log, the Yule goat, the Yule boar, and Yule singing, also known as Christmas caroling. Maybe we could have left that one behind. Chapter two, the song. 
Now that we all know what the 12 days of Christmas refer to and where the holiday came from, let's talk about where the song itself originated. The earliest written version can be found in a children's book called Mirth Without Mischief, printed in Britain all the way back in 1780, and the lyrics go like this. Starting on the first day, but ultimately ending up on the 12th, the final verse says, The 12th day of Christmas my true love sent to me, 12 lords a-leaping, 11 ladies dancing, 10 pipers piping, 9 drummers drumming, eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming, six geese a-laying, five golden rings, four collie birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and of course, a partridge in a pear tree. What's really interesting about this version is that it's remained mostly unchanged in the almost 250 years since it was printed. I know certain versions put the presents in a different order or replace some of the animals, but it's remained remarkably consistent compared to other nursery rhymes. Another fascinating factoid is that back when this version was sung, there was no official melody. The tune we sing today wasn't composed until 1909 by Frederick Austin, who published it in a songbook of its own. This songbook is also where he made the iconic changes like the two-bar motif on five golden rings, adding on to the start of each new verse, the use of calling birds instead of collie birds, and the aforementioned reordering of the ninth to twelfth verses. It might be kind of weird to imagine such a classic song without its iconic melody, but in its early days, it may not have been so much a song as a memory game. We don't know for certain if it was created to be a game, but there's substantial written record of it being played as one during Christmas gatherings as early as the 1800s. In his 1842 collection, The Nursery Rhymes of England, James Hollowell Phillips describes the game as each child in succession repeats the gifts of the day and forfeits for each mistake. This accumulative process is a favorite with children. In other words, children and adults would stand in a circle and list off the gifts one at a time. But if you couldn't remember the answer when it got to be your turn, you lost. As I alluded to earlier, the Brits weren't the only ones with a song like this. We've actually found versions in Scotland, the Faroe Islands outside Denmark, and Sweden. So all countries where Yule was celebrated. How interesting. I'm not gonna bother going through the almost 40 items listed, but some notable differences between these variants are the Faroe Islands version, which has 15 days of Christmas. The Swedish version puts a ton of emphasis on the 12th item listed, churches. And the Scottish variant ditches counting in order altogether and instead alternates between there being one and three of each item. Back to the traditional version though, we still haven't discussed where that wacky wish list came from. So let's talk about the potential significance of a partridge in a pear tree. Chapter three. Origins. Fun fact, every year PNC Financial releases an updated pricing index that breaks down the exact cost of the 12 days of Christmas. In 2021, if you were to buy every one of the 78 items listed, you would spend $41,205.58. But if you want to take it up a notch and buy the 364 gifts listed throughout every repetition of the song, it'll cost you $179,454.19. Either way, it's a little out of budget for most people. I mean, Seven Swans alone cost more than $13,000. So what exactly was the author thinking when he or she came up with this list? Well, if you were looking for a concrete explanation with supporting evidence, then you're gonna be sorely disappointed. What I have instead is a highly debated theory that was proposed in 1979 by a Canadian hymnologist, Hugh McKellar, who floated the idea that the song was a secret code. Now it's totally possible that you've heard this theory before because it's the one that most Christmas time articles and blogs refer to 
only they very rarely make it clear that it's just a theory, or more accurately, a hypothesis. If you've been a fan of my show for a while, you might remember me mentioning in videos like The Origins of Three Blind Mice and Bloody Mary, the struggle for power between England's Catholics and Protestants throughout the 1800s. This war led to the slaughter of hundreds of innocent Catholics and Protestants alike, and the theory suggested that the 12 days acted as a secret code for Catholics to teach their kids about the Bible without suffering the wrath of the Protestants when they held the majority of the power. But how does this song connect to Catholicism exactly? Supposedly, every item in the list represents a different element of the religion. The partridge in a pear tree symbolizes Jesus, two turtle doves were the Old and New Testaments, three French hens represented the three gifts of faith, hope, and love, four calling birds were the four gospels, five golden rings were the books of Moses, six geese lang stands for the six days of creation, seven swans a-swimming were the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, eight maids a-milking were the eight beatitudes, nine ladies dancing were the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, such as charity, peace, and kindness, ten lords a-leaping represent the ten commandments, the eleven pipers piping were the eleven apostles, and lastly, the twelve drummers drumming represented the points of the Apostles' Creed. Oh, and I've got to mention that the true love who sends the gifts is none other than God himself, because why wouldn't it be? I'm just gonna say it, this is not a convincing theory to me at all. I can accept the fact that there's no written evidence supporting it. Considering the song was supposed to be a secret code, it wouldn't make much sense for someone to write it down, but that just doesn't seem like it would teach children anything about Catholicism. Like if you told your kid the 11 pipers piping were the apostles, do you think they'd say, oh, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, how could I have been so blind? Or would they say, who are the apostles? Probably the second one, right? And then you would either have to teach them the exact material that's outlawed, defeating the song's entire purpose, or you tell them you're not allowed to talk about it and they would continue living in ignorance about everything the song represents. I'm not trying to trivialize or downplay the persecution of Catholics by any means, I just don't think the 12 days of Christmas are connected to it. In the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes, Iona and Peter Opie, two of the most renowned folklorists in the entire field of study, suggest some alternative theories, but they don't seem particularly convinced by any of them. Suggestions have been made that the gifts have significance as representing the food or sport for each month of the year. Importance certainly has long been attached to the 12 days themselves when, for instance, the weather on each day was carefully observed to see what it would be in the corresponding month of the coming year. Nevertheless, whatever the ultimate origin of the chant, it seems probable that the lines that survive today, both in England and France, are merely an irreligious travesty. In other words, when the song first came into existence hundreds of years ago, the items and animals listed may have been associated with seasonal, religious, and holiday traditions. Over the course of centuries, those traditions changed or died out completely, and the lyrics of the song likely changed as well, since nobody wrote anything down in those days. So basically, what we're trying to do here is explain how lyrics that we might not even have correct are connected to religious practices that we know almost nothing about. You know, if you replaced the fool in Fool's Errand with folklorist, it would still make perfect sense. Anyway, as much as I hate to say it, that's just about everything we know about the 12 days of Christmas. It's not much, but it was still enough to change the way I'm gonna think about the song from now on. With the added mystery, it just got a lot more interesting, and I kinda wanna try to play it as a memory game this year. You might think the odds of winning would be in my favor after this video, but to be completely honest, I already forgot what the 12 items are. Thank you all for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So don't forget to sacrifice the five-star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to make sure they bless your feed with more mythological and folklore content. 
If you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, like if you really enjoyed it or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, hit me up under the Messed Up Origins handles on Twitter and Instagram. And to those who are craving more Messed Up Origins, feel free to check out other episodes of the podcast or look up my YouTube channel called John Solo to experience the original episodes complete with visual aids and custom-made artwork. Until next time, Solo fam, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first.